Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 198 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Luke chapter 15, and our focus is on God's love for the lost and his joy when they come home, plus what does prodigal mean? So every day we dig into one or two chapters of the Word of God, reading it, considering it, processing it, discussing it, and seeking to obey it. Thank you all for tuning in. I would appreciate it if you check out our website, Bible2021.com. You can contact us there, get a transcript of every episode, as well as subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. So today in Luke 15, three parables all about lost things in one overall theme. And that theme is the joy that comes when the lost are found. As I read this passage today a couple of times through, I realized Christians should read Luke 15 once a month. I, myself, as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus, I should read Luke 15 at least once a month. It's a wonderful chapter that in three different ways teaches the exact same truth that all of heaven, including God the Father himself, rejoices when the lost are found. And reading that again and again really kind of helps us to keep our priorities in order. Followers of Jesus need to remind themselves and be reminded of God's heart and his passion and heaven's joy when somebody repents and turns to God the Father. And these three parables all reinforce that most important truth. In Luke 15, we have one of Jesus's most famous and most important and most well-known parables, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, here's a few truths about this parable that are kind of surprising. Number one, And maybe most shocking, the Bible does not use the word prodigal at all to describe this young man. That word was later added as a heading to the parable in the 1500s. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that the young man was not prodigal in his living, but just that the word prodigal, or a Greek word that directly translates to prodigal, just isn't used in this passage, which brings us to surprising fact number two about the prodigal son. Prodigal does not mean lost or runaway or really anything like that. Prodigal means lavish, wasteful, or extravagant, as in somebody who blows a lot of money on reckless living. It comes from a root word in Latin that means to squander. And prodigal is probably derived from the Greek word azotus, which is found in Luke 15, 13. It doesn't translate to prodigal, but that's probably where we get the name of this prodigal, uh, of this parable. And it, Luke 15, 13 says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. So you see the word, the verb there, squander, uh, and then the word that the CSB Bible translates as foolish, and other translations use different words like riotous, and that's the word that the prodigal probably is derived from. A prodigal person is a wasteful person that lives for pleasure, spends lots of money on questionable and immoral kinds of pleasures. And as we're going to see later in the parable, the elder brother of the prodigal states that his younger brother spent much, if not all, of the money he was given as an inheritance on prostitutes. Finally, truth number three. 
This is not a parable about one sign. It is a parable about two signs, and really maybe even more than that. It's a parable about the joy of the father. But if you miss the elder brother, you're missing like a crucial part of this parable. At the end of this parable, one of the sons is rescued and reconciled to the father, and one of the sons is absolutely alienated from the father. And this is massively significant, especially when you realize that it is the son who spent all of his inheritance on prostitutes that is in good relationship with the father and the son who has lived a seemingly good and responsible life who is alienated and separated from the father. And when you realize that this is not a parable about uh, two kids and their dad, but a parable about people and God, the heavenly father. And when you see that the one who is the, you know, the sinner is the one that's tight with the father in the end, it's really mind blowing. Well, let's read these three parables, noting in every single instance, the joy of heaven and the joy of the father when the lost are found. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Or what woman who has 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. He also said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a district, distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he'd spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food and here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast because... This son of man was mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning with these th- what these things meant. 
Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years from you and I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the elder brother is basically almost the bad guy in the parable of the prodigal son. Though he looked responsible on the surface, he was kind of living for himself. Looking back on the parable through the lens of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, we see that Jesus himself did what that elder brother should have done. He, Jesus, is the true and good elder brother that we needed to bring us back to the Father. Here's Tim Keller to help us see that. You have to see what it cost God to bring you home. Well, you say, it didn't seem to cost him anything in this parable. The kid came home with kind of a desire to compensate, we think, but the father wouldn't let him, so it was free. It didn't cost anything. No, it didn't cost the father anything, but it cost somebody else a lot. At the very end, Jesus gives us the hint. In the last verse, when the father says, everything I have is yours, that's literally true. Why? Because the younger brother had liquidated and had spent every bit of his inheritance. Now everything the father had belonged to the elder brother. Every robe, every ring, and every fatted calf belonged to the elder brother. The younger brother could only be brought back into the family at the enormous cost and expense to the elder brother. It's not free. It's not simple to be saved. Somebody has to pay. The elder brother has to pay, and he's furious about it. Why does Jesus put in such a nasty elder brother into the parable? Because he's showing the Pharisees what they look like. What? What a true and good elder brother have done. A true and good elder brother would have seen the agony of his father and said, Father, I'm going to go out and look for my brother, and if he has ruined himself and squandered all his inheritance, I'll bring him home even at my own expense. That would have been a true elder brother. Poor kid. He doesn't have a true elder brother, but we do. Jesus Christ gives us a bad elder brother, so we'll long for a good one, the right one. We don't just need an elder brother to go out to the next town to find us. We need someone to come from heaven to earth. We don't need an elder brother who brings us into God's family just at the cost of his wallet, but at the cost of his life on the cross. Jesus Christ was stripped naked so we could be clothed in the robe of honor we don't deserve. On the cross, Jesus called out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only time he never called him father because at that moment he was not being treated as a son so you and I could be treated as a son. There he paid the debt that deep down we all know we owe. He had everything the Father had, but he shares it with us, and he brings us home at enormous expense to himself. When you see that, when you see what Jesus did, to the degree that you see that, it will change the absolute motivation in your whole approach to God, and you won't be into self-discovery or moral conformity. You'll be a Christian. All right, well, let's close with our Bible memory verse for the month of July. It's Luke 6, 47 through 48. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built.
And as I've said before, let our houses, our lives be built on the solid rock of the teachings of Jesus. Good day, friends, and Godspeed.